House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Bill, you're coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back to the House of Run podcast. HouseofRunAgmail.com is our email address. I'm Kevin. He's Jason. The year is 2021. Jason, happy new year to you. Happy new year, man. Yeah, it's uh, good to get out of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, I know everyone's like, hey, just because the year changes doesn't mean everything's back to normal. It's like, yeah, we get it. It's still good to not be in that year anymore, right? Like everyone's still happy with that. I am. Did anybody think that that was the case? Did you oh, no, just everyone, you know, just on, on someone on Twitter is always going to be like, oh, all these people who think everything's going to change and go back to normal. Mm-hmm. No one thinks that. There but. was only one year when everything changed immediately, and that was Y2K. All the computers <laughs> went down, and there was mass chaos and pandemonium for weeks. That was crazy when that happened, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think flying cars would both be invented and then be pushed to the brink of extinction within the matter of weeks, but that's how 2000 was. I don't know if other people remember it the same way, but I have very fond memories of... Basically, it turned into the Jetsons very quickly. Yeah, and then just was gone. And mm-hmm. was, okay, yeah. Whatever happened to that? Whatever happened to that? We're actually going to read emails this week. We're going to do yes. it. And the reason we're going to read emails is twofold. One... We've promised to do it for a couple of weeks, and we've had to push off emails. But two, this is our predictions episode. Yeah. But we don't really have that much to add, and I'm not really thrilled <laughs> with any of my predictions this year. Yeah. I mean, I I like my predictions, but it's mainly because I made them a year ago, mm-hmm. and they didn't get the chance to develop or happen. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm just basically – I'm running it back. Yeah, so let's go through these one by one. I have some that I have added, slash expanded upon, slash modified, but I'm going to delete some entirely from my 20... 20- I'm going to pretend it didn't happen, basically, and then su- supplant them with new ones, if that's okay with you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll start with we'll start with uh, with you. What are you thinking about here in 2021? Uh, so I'm going to start off with uh, Wade Van Niekirk. Um, <laughs> I, of course, uh, I mean, it had to be had to be done. Um, Hashtag not done. Yeah, not even close to done. Um, it's going to make it, you know, wins a medal. Uh, for most people, that would be plenty bold enough. Uh, last year, I predicted he would win gold. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I, I think, you know, I'm going to go silver better. So we're going to split the difference on those two. Mm. Um, I think he gets through the season healthy. He can be right there. Michael Norman is obviously a huge obstacle to overcome, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, potential to get close to the world record. But um, Joseph Gardner, who is who is very good mm-hmm. after that, you know, you have like Fred Curley and mm-hmm. it, it, it drops off a little bit. So I don't, I don't think the men's 400 is crazy deep. With like guys who you feel confident running forty three, mm-hmm. um, like those three guys, and even Curly, I, I would predict he'll do it once in the upcoming year because mm-hmm. that kind of seems like his mo. Um, so I think Van Dieker can get to, back to that point. I mean, he doesn't have to be running forty three oh three 
to you know to win a medal. Um, I think if you're sub forty four, you're likely to win a medal. So yeah, I think you could do that. Okay, okay, I like the slight modification here. Last year, I wanted to be the ultimate contrarian, and I was coming up with ways where I could take what other people were assuming to be true and twist it. And one of that, one of those things was I didn't even realize I did this because I forgot most of 2020. I went really hard into the high hurdles and was mm. <laughs> was predicting world records in the high hurdles. So last year I have high hurdle world records go down. I'm going to keep that. I'm going to keep that, even though we saw no evidence this year that that yeah, would be the case. not at all. But we didn't see really much of action really at all in the high hurdles. So I'm just going to say it got frozen in time. Grant Holloway is a year older. He seems to be the best candidate, although there's a couple other – guys there who are sub 13 women's side of things you know kenny harrison's run 12 2 someone could pop up and and equal that or have that sort of dream season so i'm going to say high hurdle world records go down in 2021 and that's a it's a repeat from last year yeah i think that's that's uh, that's doable for sure right mm-hmm. i mean that's uh i i still think it's bold obviously mm-hmm. to have them have them both go down but um you have holloway that's like i said that's probably your your best best chance um mm-hmm. but yeah I, we see people get into that that groove not not as often as we used to it seems like mm-hmm. um but uh i could definitely see that being a possibility so i like that women's side that that one's gonna be tough mm-hmm. um i mean i i guess it's like men's yeah I, I would say roberts and holloway you know they're both super young yeah those those seem like your best bets to to do it on the women's side Who's your best? I mean, you have the current world record holder there. She hasn't quite looked like she's been at that level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Daniel Williams, yeah, you know that, that that's probably as good a chance as any. So yeah, I, th- I think that's I think that's doable. I like that. It's just somebody. I'm just betting on the field. I'm betting on the gravity in that event. Right. That's that's all. That's all it is. We may not even be talking about this person at all. They may come out of of nowhere. Come, they may be a twelve, twelve five, twelve six person who just gets hot and has a has a really good run. Remember, this season is going to be – well, I'm operating on the assumption that we're having the Olympics and yeah, all my picks are – That's one of my bold predictions is that the Olympics is going to happen. Okay, I'm going to put that – actually, I'm not going to put that in there because I don't want to jinx it. But, yeah. But there's a lot of Diamond League meets after the Olympics. So there's opportunities to run yeah. fast, like late, late in the season. Uh, or I guess you could say at the end of the season and the Olympics is more at the midway point or at the, the two thirds point in the season. If you just go on sheer volume of, of meets in the professional schedule, which I could see it hurting people too, cause they're going to peak so much for that you know, July, J- July timeframe that maybe they don't have any left come September, but there's, there's also that, that room for that late season, that late season surge. So that was my one that I was running back for next year. Another one I'm running back here is U.S. men breaking the 4 by one world record. Now, you might say, hey, Kevin, you made this prediction before Christian Coleman got suspended. Yeah, that hurts. And I'd say, yes, I did. But I also made this prediction not thinking that Trayvon Bromel was going to turn into 2015 Trayvon Bromel, 2016 Trayvon Bromel. So we got Tra- Bromel back, yep. ho- hopefully. You have a better Lyles. Mm-hmm. You have Gatlin, who's younger now than he was the last time he ran a four by one. But you, you know, you have Baker, you have Rogers, you have complementary pieces there that you can build around. 
I think it, I think they can still I think they can still do it. Going to be obviously a reach. That's why it's bold. Yeah. I think if Coleman was health or eligible, not healthy. Yeah. Coleman was eligible. You could almost say it would venture on the not that bold. Like they ran 37-10 in Doha and the world record's 3684. So they need to drop what point point two six quarter of a second. Okay. Maybe it's a little bold. But if you had a team of Lyles, Coleman, and Bromel, you'd think Yeah, that that's, that's a good great start. Yeah, exactly. So I'm still sticking with it. I know it's a long shot, but we're talking about things that have a ten percent, twenty percent chance of happening, maybe even less. Um I'll 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 stick yeah, with it. Yeah, I'd the- put that less than ten percent probably. But like not you know, it's just just because of Coleman. I think if Coleman was there, I think, yeah, you might be in that fifteen to twenty percent range. Mm-hmm. Um, you still got that appeal though, too. Yeah, maybe I'm betting on that. Maybe I'm right? just the old uh, the, the parlay of the the uh, arbitration decision with the thirty six eighty four. I if I hadn't written this down last year, I doubt I would have come up with it this year. But in the spirit of sticking to my guns, I'm gonna try it again. What do you got? Yeah. No, I like it. Um, okay, for my next one, I am saying that Allison Felix is not only making her fifth Olympic team, but that she's going to win the 400-meter U.S. title. Um, hmm. All right. This, so, I, I mean, we've got Felix has had a couple years since, uh, you know, she looked like kind of prime Felix, obviously, but the women's 400 isn't that strong right now on the U.S. side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like in 2019, the last real season, uh, no one broke 50 outside of the world championships in the U.S. Right, right. Like at all. So you don't have, um, you know, obviously on the world scale, you got Miller Weibo, you got Nasser, you got Saini. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, meddling is going to be extremely difficult. Prime Felix, I think, could get it done, but it would be it would be tough even for her. Um. So I think she can make the final. I think she can win the U.S. title. I think she can go sub-50. And I think that's going to be enough to win the U.S. title. I mean, I, I just... They said you've got a, a bunch of women who are who are good. Mm-hmm. You know, like a low 50s style and, and can run 49 high or whatever on the right race. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just... I, I mean, Felix is just so talented. And I know she's been good forever. And that's really, really hard to do. 400 is a young person's game. I get it. I, I just I'm betting on Allison Felix. Okay, I like I I like this. I like they're sticking with it. Jonathan's ran last year what forty nine six in the Doha final. Do I have that right? Yes, yeah, yeah. The big uh, big PR for her. Yeah. Um, and then hey, that matter. I mean, forty nine six is a is a legit time. I'm not you know gonna undersell that. But yeah, and she's young. She's mm-hmm. twenty two. So so that's big. Um, you know before. Before Worlds, you know, she was 50 mid yeah. as a personal best. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, so it was a, a significant drop there. And, you know, hey, maybe, she, maybe she's going to create, you know, if she all of a sudden, a couple times in the season, runs 49.8, I'm going to be a little worried. Um, yeah. Also excited for, for her abilities. But um, <laughs> I, I just, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see a, like, can't overcome type thing. You have, you know, you have Phyllis Francis, who's still good. Yeah. Um, but not insurmountable either so you have about five that i can see that are established names there jonathan francis wimbley ellis and then lena irby ran well this year 
Mm-hmm. And because of what she did in 2018 in college, you got to give her credit. I mean, she ran 50, 50.5 this year, but she's run under 50 seconds and she's very young as well too. I think the test is, and I, we talked about this on the other podcast where I did the exact same topic of whether or not um, we got on the same topic about Felix. I think a lot of this is going to be revealed in the first couple months of outdoor, assuming we have normal seasons. So basically late March, April, early May to see the college kids basically because this is an event that's ripe for picking for a college kid. And if no one really emerges as being a what 50.2 type of person mm. in that event and it stays those five, six if, if you count Felix, I, I like – I'm not going to go all the way as to say win the whole thing, but to make the team – I like her odds um, to make the team. Yeah, I love her odds. I think making the team isn't even bold enough. Um, Are you basing that just on that 2019 showing at USA's where it was her first race and she (laughs) made the final somehow? Yeah, and and just, I mean, she's had a full recovery. Like, if she's taking it seriously, and I have no reason to believe she's not, um, I don't. She does not have a reputation for just screwing around. I just yeah, don't think, <laughs> it's, you're not thinking, huh, Allison Felix. Yeah, shouldn't take it too seriously. Yeah, like I just feel like I feel like you know making another Olympic team matters a lot mm-hmm. to her. Um, she's you know the greatest runners of all time. Uh, Sometimes the greatest I, two I, women's American 200 meter runner of all time. Yes, I think we've that. established that. Um, said for sure. And hey, maybe she's like, maybe if I could catch Sonia Richard Tross, if I just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make six more Olympic teams, um, <laughs> and I, I just I, th- I I I don't know, and and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Felix will be one of those who just keeps running when she clearly doesn't have it anymore. But mm-hmm. I feel like she would be someone who would hang it up if she just thought she was done. Okay, and it's she's only 35, which I know is old for the 400, yeah. but with how long she's been great, it seems like she should be like older than Meb mm-hmm. at this point. Um, <laughs> but she's not, and. Yeah, I'm just betting on that pure talent. Like, talent-wise, she still can do such impressive things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I like that you're sticking with that one this year. I'm just thinking there could be some collegian that we're not even thinking about or who's been good in the past that comes out in the college season and runs 49-9. And then you're like, okay, well, they're going to be able to keep it together. They're going to make the team. Well, and that's part of that, though. If if someone, say, some college, yeah, that it, it, you know, NCAAs or something runs 49-8, mm-hmm. like – We've seen it with other college. Like it's yeah. that season's long. Yeah. It's super long, and it's hard to maintain that form. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if uh, it's going to show that they have this crazy potential and that they're, they're the four hundred will be theirs to take over, sometimes you can't do it in that first season just because you've already run so many college races and and had to peak early, mm-hmm. and, and and maintaining that is just very difficult. Yeah, Jonathan did it last year. That's what her season was so weird. It was the longest season ever, and somehow she managed yes. to get better. I have no idea what her peak, like how her season was scheduled in terms of, because she was good all the time. It was just like up and down, up and down, up and down in terms of, okay, you need a peak for June, and then again in USA's in six weeks, and then two months later, you're going to have another big B, and you're going to be good in all of them. It it was, it was. Yeah, she ran 13 different races. Jonathan did? Yeah, and. Yeah. 18 different actual races if you include rounds of the 400. Yeah, and look at so when was when was are you looking at 18? 
You're thinking, or no, 19, sorry. You're thinking 19, 19, right? 19, yeah. Yeah, look at, did she run indoors? She did, uh, right? Oh, this doesn't have dates on here, does it? Um, is that Birmingham on there? I think that would have been Bur- the Birmingham. Yeah, so she got, oh, she went out in the rounds in Birmingham. Yeah, me. oh, yeah, she ran five indoors. Yeah. And didn't do anything really, indoor. I mean, 53s pretty much across the board. And then even for most of the college year, it was 51, mid, 51, 52, 51. NCAAs in the final, she, she, 50.6 was a massive PR for her. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then she, so, so it was almost like she was just rounding into form at NCAAs. Yeah, so her big races, so NCAA indoors was big. She was on the 4x4 team that won it. So you, Okay, so she had a big race March 8th. She had a big race June 8th. She had a big race July 27th and then had a big race the beginning of October in Doha. It's just the weirdest, most up-and-down, frenetic, crazy periodization that you could come up with of a, of a season. I mean, March to October. That's a lot of months. Yeah, and it's more like, I'm, you know, I guess I'm in my head I've got, like, Fred Curley's season, like, when he was in college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and runs 43-7 yeah. at, like, regionals. Yeah. And then... By the time World Championship comes around, he's he's gassed, you yeah. know, running forty four high, five, 45 low, just because he's he's worn out. Yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, so you have Felix winning USA's in the four hundred. Let's see, where should I go next here? Um, okay, I had fastest time ever at Boston. I'm taking that off. <laughs> I'm I had Salazar coaches at the Olympics, but you know what? This mm. is 2021. I'm only doing bold predictions that are just fun to that talk you actually about. Want to happen? <laughs> I just want I just want fun stuff. Okay, I had U.S. women medal in the 5K, which would be a mm, which would be a historic moment. But I'm going to go one bigger on this because last year I realized when I wrote these down on an article for for FlowTrack, I had this is what I had written down, Jason, and this is what I'm going to pick for this year. I had the U.S. women will medal in every mid distance slash distance event at the Olympics. Whew. that's very bold. Yeah. So. Does that? I guess I mean track events because I'll take the marathon out. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's I, I didn't assume a marathon. Yeah. So mid distance, distance events. So eight, eight, fifteen, five, and ten. Yeah, I, mean, I guess you could say because they're probably going to medal in the one and the two, the four, and the hurdles. So you could just say the U, U.S. women are going to medal in every single running event on the track, basically. Oof. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just keep adding this on to make the odds. Actually, low. women's four is the least likely to happen. Yes, you're right. And the women's 100, Shakira Richardson, of course, the 1075, but they got one woman in the final last year, or two years ago, in Doha. Tiana Daniels, and she got seventh. Like, the 100 is going to be yeah. hard for the yeah, U.S. Yeah, you got Jamaica, you got Ardiner. Um... Oh, yeah, you got uh, Tolu and Ahore from the Ivory Coast. You got a lot of yeah. you got a lot of folks there. Daphne Shippers, if she has a comeback year. I know you are, you're, you're betting on that. For this year, so there's she's, she's gonna just kick back and wait for everybody to pull out of the 200 and scoop <laughs> up another medal. That would be smart. That would be smart. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna write this down as let's see what should I write this down? U.S. women medal in every running event. Now, as it pertains to the 5,000, because that's where there would be history. I think Schweizer can do it. Obviously, Houlihan can do it if she just chooses to run the event. The sixth place is the highest finish ever by mm. Molly Huddle, a.k.a. the greatest women's 5,000-meter runner in history. Yeah. So 
I'm going to th- say that they have their breakthrough. Now, the 10 might be difficult then too because who knows what's going to happen there. But I'm just going to go with it. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say they're going to get it done. Um, you could see a scenario where someone like Perrier could get a medal too. Like she's you know, well into the 14. There's just enough women who are into the 14s that the three that they send are going to be really good. And yeah. They, and they could get all three to the final. And they get, and then they, they could get all three into that if it starts out slow. All three are still there with a mile to go. And then someone like Schweizer who has you know four flat 1,500-meter speed or if Houlihan's in it, who has can, can run much faster than that in the 1,500, they belong there with that, with that last kick, that last push. So I think that's going to be the historic event. But obviously they're going to medal in – I think they'll get a medal in the 15, the 8. I had – one of my rough drafts was uh, U.S. women sweep the 800. Just, I was just going for it, but I, I, Oof, said, I wow. said it against that. But well, yeah, I think Raven, cool. I think Raven Rogers is going to be even better this year because training with Pete Julian, I think that's going to going to help her. Yeah, and I think Wilson's going to be on a revenge tour after last year. But then trying to find that third person is is tough. But I think they'll get two medals again. In any event, Steeple is a lock for a medal. Ten K is going to be tough. 400, you're right, is going to be kind of tough. Two and the one, I think they'll figure something out. The hurdles, obviously, they'll be fine. The relays, they'll be fine. So I think I think it'll come down to the five, the 10, and the 400. Yeah, I think if when you when you change it to, I mean, the the distance was was enough. When you change it to every track event, that might be the most bold one. Oh, it just de- you wait. Just you wait. Definitely the most bold so far. I mean, even, I, I agree with you on everything you're saying on the five, too. But man, that the five is loaded. Um, we well, don't know who's going to run it, right? You don't know. Who's yeah, gonna run I mean, it. that's true. But you assume Obiri and Hassan, yeah, G'day. and Klosterhoff and, and G'day. yeah, and there's a number of people who could run it. You, um, yeah. we'll Arlora, we'll, I mean, there's I so many possibilities. I don't, I, I don't think our Laura's going to run it, but just because the 15 and the five GDS, shout out to Canada. I think she'll run the 15 too. I just. Okay, I'm I'm up under under this this assumption, and I, I always like to look at it this way. Do do the math this way. Three Kenya, three Ethiopia. Yep. There's six, right? Yep. Then you're gonna have you're probably gonna have Hassan. That's seven, and then you're gonna have uh, who's the other one I just mentioned? Klosterhoven. No. Yes, exactly. So eight. So if if you say okay, all those people are better than the Americans, which I don't agree with, but just say it for sake of argument. You start off in nine, right? So you, yeah. you get you got to figure out a way to to get either through just beating them straight up or DNF DNSs something to get in front of that that group. So I mean, yeah, even ch- if you say, "Hey, the the Americans are in the equal of a lot of them," so then you with the Americans you have what eleven runners for three spots. Yeah, but that's not bad odds, right? No, no, like that's and to ha- and to have a one off <laughs> one of them succeeding like is not. Is not crazy. Like I think that's it's doable. It's it's still bold, but it's 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 possible. Like I said I think that's a medal in the five is way more likely than a medal in the four hundred, which is crazy to say. I just think if Klosterhoffen can medal in the in this event, which she did in Doha, I think Schweizer mm-hmm. can. I don't think there's that much of a gap between Klosterhoffen and Schweizer, or especially uh, Houlihan. I just don't, I don't. I don't think there is anymore. I think Schweizer's a, a a new runner. So this is how it went last time: Kenya, Kenya, Germany. This is Doha World Championships. 
Ethiopia, Kenya. So Kenya had three in the top five. Ethiopia had fourth, sixth, and eighth. And then so basically it was the exact situation I said. Yeah. Except instead of having Hassan in there, there was someone from Great Britain, Laura Waitman. So Schweizer finished ninth. So she like hit the exact spot that you would assume she would. Right. <laughs> there was it, it was completely chalk. It was like exactly Yeah. And yeah. I think but she's better than that. Yeah, and, and Hulahan especially too. I I think I think they're at least in that mix and you know, I, I think gold or something like one of those just next level runners and who mm-hmm. knows, maybe mm-hmm. maybe Shelby or Schweizer could get to that point. But for right now you have, you know, like the Obiri, the Hassan, like whoever you want to put in that just like next level tier. Like if one of them is like on their A game, they're yeah. probably not losing. Yeah. Um or they're like a guaranteed medal. But uh there's always, you know, a a, a room for kicking into second or third. Yeah. Yeah, I think third. I'm not going to get too crazy with it. But if Hassan goes into that race with the same mindset she went into the, for the 1500, which is I'm going to make it honest from the gun, and they run something really, really fast, Houlihan and Schweizer could stick with them. Yeah. There's no reason why they can't. Now, I, again, I my prediction is that Houlihan doesn't run this. My prediction is that she runs the 15. But even I think Schweizer could stick with them. She's run under fourteen thirty now. She's not going to fall off, fall off the back. And there's very few women who are going to be able to stick with that pace. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. I'm sticking yep. with it. Uh, I have like three more. I don't know Oof. how many. How many do you have left? Um, I could do I could do two more probably. Okay, hit me with them. Uh, so well, this is this is another carryover, but I, I still kind of like it. Uh, two American. Uh, and I guess I'll just eliminate the because uh, it was two American men sprint records will be broken. I'm gonna go ahead and eliminate the hundred <laughs> from consideration. So the two and four, uh, two hundred and four hundred sprint records will be broken. U.S. Uh, so basically, Michael Johnson will be wiped off the American record rec- record books. I remember you making this pick last year. We were just we were betting big on U.S. men sprinting because yes. I had that four by one world record, and then you had this two and four. Mm- yeah, Coleman Lyles Norman was a you know was a yeah. good bet. Like I mean, it's you feel you feel good putting confidence in those guys. Yeah. So I'm gonna one up this one though. Oof. Actually, I think it's one upping this one. This is a new one that I have. A 2021 new bold prediction: U.S. men sweep the hundred. Wow. Okay. Even without Coleman. Yeah. This one is not appeal. I'm just surprised you're counting out your boy. This is not appeal dependent. This is just even if they don't have him here. Um, Do you know how many times, Jason, in history, the U.S. men have swept the 100 at the Olympics? (sighs) Zero. I actually don't know. I was asking. Are you on Wikipedia right now? Can you give me the can you get me this stuff? Like, I feel like it happened once, but I just said zero because it's, you know, it's more dramatic. Or... Okay, it happened at the 91 World Championships, but let me get the Olympics up here. Yep. And let me give you the rundown here. 100. I bet it happened, like, the first one. Oh, no. Yeah, ni- 1904. 1904. Then 1912. <laughs> it hasn't happened since 1912. There you go. Okay. So that – and those count, but if they're over 100 years ago, they barely count. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was a good trio. You need to look up the Ralph Craig, Alva Meyer, Don Lippincott hundred. How I don't doubt that when I was we were going through American Goats, I clicked on their Wikipedia page at some point. Yeah. Well, let's see how fast they ran here. Ralph Craig got the dub 11, in eleven forty five. 
Is that what he ran in the final? No, I don't know. I just totally guessed. Um, hold on. Let's see. A lot of semifinals. Uh, 10.8. Oh, okay. Sundial timed, though. So not automatic, <laughs> not hand. It was sundial timed. It was just the the loudest guy in the town going, one, 1,000, two, 1,000. <laughs> the town crier was there. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll do another one, and then I'll let you do your last one here. Okay. So well, so and so for this hundred, so you're you're obviously you're betting on Lyles, you're betting on Gatlin. No, no, no. And you're betting on Bromel. I'm betting on Bromel and Lyles, yeah. And then the third one is TBD, obviously. So so you're counting out, you know, DeGrasse. Um, I think Baker could be a Baker year. Could be a Baker year. Okay. It is tough to pick these sweeps in Olympics versus World Championships because you you got to go three for three. You got to be perfect. But yeah, this one is. I think this one is bolder than my women's medal pick, don't you think? Whew. Man, the fact that you said every event for the women's medal, I don't know if that's true. It's close. Every running event. Every running event. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's that I don't know which one's bolder. It's close to me. Okay, some another one I got. I don't I'm not gonna include this because it's not that bold, but I have McLaughlin and Muhammad both breaking fifty two. Mm. Okay. Um and then my last one. You have two more or one more? One more. Okay. I'll do my last one now. I have Chariot breaking the world record. Okay. That's that's bold. I like that. 326. He's run 328, but he's done it with really weird pacing. I think he'll get it done. Monaco or maybe one of those meets after the Olympics. Yeah. I I mean, that's, you know, it's something Kip- Kiprop would make a run at once a year. Mm-hmm. For, for four or five years and, and put up some impressive times. Um, it's, it's you know, that, that like we we're talking with certain ones, like even Bekele, we're like, oh, that seemed like kind of breakable. Yeah. Like this one still doesn't seem soft in any way. It's it's a, like no no one really gets that close to it. Yeah. Um, so it's a, I think that that definitely qualifies as bold. But if, I mean, if there's someone who can do it, mm-hmm. it's it's definitely, Timmy definitely Chariot. So, um yeah that'd be good i'd love to see him make a run at it um when isn't he making a run out of when he goes out in like 52 8 you're like all right this is it so three guys ever have gone under 327 yeah legat and no yen right asbel oh as no no and yen hasn't gone under no uh 327 37 i always i always get that wrong at bar trivia too yeah i know they always ask it it's weird um but yeah, Kiprop ran three twenty six nine, three twenty six sixty nine. Um, man, and that's still seven tenths off. That's crazy. Uh, but I think yeah, Chariot's I mean, better than put putting the PED suspension aside. Yes, which is impossible to do. I think Chariot's better than Kiprop. I think he is better, but I think like high end peak. I don't know who's better. I think it's close. Like I think you Ch- Chariot is more dependable. Like you're not going to get the weird last place, first place, second place thing. Yeah. From from Chariot, no, like you're not getting you that can count on him for that. But for just like pure, um, just top end crazy peak, mm-hmm. like, and like I said, we're ignoring the the giant elephant in the room. Kiprop was was pretty insane. I think Kiprop's Isaiah Thomas. I think Chariot's Jordan. Wow. Which makes Garouge, uh, I don't know, somebody else. (laughs) 
makes Garouche somebody not in this analogy because somebody always has to be Jordan in the analogy. And then yeah. that totally skews any sort of uh, element of proportion in your analogy. Okay. I'm out. I'm done. What do you got? Yeah, I might as well we'll bring out the last one. So um, this was another one from uh, from is last this one time. New? Uh, oh, not new. No, no. You don't have any I new had, ones. Uh, I had four from last time, and I had had no real reason to uh, to adjust. All the ones I was thinking of, I was like, well, no, I got this other one. Um, so I was saying that all three Warholm Samba Benjamin will break the world record. And okay, I remember this. That's. You know, their second, third, and fourth fastest all time. Yeah, I'm gonna say not that bold. I mean Except that Warholm just is, but it also had thirty five runs at it and it's <laughs> yeah. That's a super that that record's obviously extremely legit. It's like the oldest track record on the men's side. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's really hard. Warholm, I, I you know, I feel very, very good about him breaking it. Yeah. Um Samba and Benjamin, I mean Benjamin's run Sub 47, yeah. Yeah, sub 47. I mean, they both have. But uh, Benjamin, you know, has a few other top, you know, 10 times. Yeah. Um, you know, Samba's run 47 low consistently as well. So it's it's not crazy. Samba, though, we also haven't seen him run a ton Yeah. lately. Um, but the talent talent's obviously there. So, I mean, I think that's that's hard to predict just because he's... I mean, he's still super young. He's 25. No, no, you know, big thing there. But man, I, I, I know on the surface it doesn't seem that way. But I, th- I think Kevin Young's record is so good that even if you, th- you know, two guys is is something. But to get all three of them to go under, um, I think will be will be tough. Based on their age and their PRs, it seems doable. But then you start thinking about three times all faster. Like having the all-time list be all from one year, yeah. For, and I mean, I, I was contemplating saying one race. I was contemplating at at Olympic finals, this was going to happen. Those things get tactical, though. You know, yeah, they do. I, that's true. You know, they you, you hate, up, head back for you hold back for six hurdles, and then you know, really close hard. Let them loose. I, yeah. It. I mean, it, yes, because you're you're predicting history times. <laughs> times three here yeah it like, is like warholm clearly the best in the world just spent an entire season trying to do it once and he didn't yeah i think like it's gonna be yeah. i think it's gonna be broken i i agree with you i could see two people going under it i think that would be that might be the if you were doing like over under you might be you might put it like 1.5 <laughs> i think at 1.5 yeah because yeah, yeah. i think i think most people think warholm will probably do it yeah and then you know it's a matter of I mean, you probably have Warholm as the third best, so in that case, you, you feel pretty confident. Well, I've Benjamin but... breaking it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've Benjamin going under 46, which is, <laughs> I don't know where. Other than the roads, how many times do you I mean, that's just so random to see and uncommon to see the top three marks of all time coming from, oh, 2020 or 2019 yeah. produced the top – you see, yeah, unless it's like 1984 in East Germany or something. Then yeah, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. Or that race in in China with the fast women's times. I, I would say that if we're being honest, I would say Warholm would have the best shot at it. That's not crazy. No, yeah, I, I think. But we know less about. I mean, Benjamin what would you put because he didn't Warholm's, race at all this year? That's the other part of it. I mean, yeah, that's that's a big part. I mean, normally in the past. 
you know, these guys have run. I mean, we know Warholm's going to run. Mm-hmm. Um, you would suspect after a year off that yeah. these these young guys want to race and, and you know, put mm-hmm. up something. So I'm um, counting on it. Um, I mean, what, like, what would you put the odds are of, like, Warholm breaking the world record next year? 50%? I, would like, I think it's, like, close to a coin flip. I think he would have – I think he has 67% chance of breaking the world okay. record. I like it. Yeah. Okay, to recap, Jason's bull predictions for 2021, not to be confused with his bull predictions for 2019. Van Eekerk, silver, better. Felix wins USA's. American records in the men's two and men's four. All three men break the four-meter world record in the hurdles. Four-meter hurdle world record, excuse me. My bold prediction, high hurdle world records go down. U.S. men break the 4 by one world record. U.S. women medal in every running event. U.S. men sweep the 100 at the Olympics. And Timothy Cherry breaks the world record in the 1500. Anything you want to amend, add? No, I think it's pretty good. You went you went very bold in some of these. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the, the U.S. women's medal, I think that's the boldest of all of these put together. Well, it does not live up to my... US, uh, Kenyan men are going to sweep the Olympics or the World Championships that one year when they didn't get a single medal. Yeah. That was a good one for me. That's always that good. Was... I like that. Uh, no world records and when something was broken in February, <laughs> I think was good. Um, yeah, that was my predictions for 2014, I think. I made it in 2013 for 2014, maybe. I, th- I was saying non-championship year, NBD. No one's going to take it seriously. And I want to say LaVillanie or someone broke a record in, in February. But that was my only prediction. And you only had one that year, too. Blake World. Yeah, both we, we've slowly progressed because, you know. It's like a novel now. Yeah, we have to give ourselves more chances to hit one. And my best prediction of all time, I guess it didn't actually pan out. But when I, when did I say that at the 2016 Olympics, the men's four-meter record would be broken by Karai James? Because it's not written down. That was in sheet. 20. It was like right after at the end of 2012, I think. Okay. Okay. You just brought it up in conversation. Um, okay, yeah, I, I didn't write that formally down, but it didn't count because it wasn't Karani James, but the record was. Broken. Yeah, I mean, I called Rupp Farrell 1-2, which I was pretty proud oh, of. Yeah. That was a good one. So that must have been 2011. Three American men under 210. You did that a couple of years ago, and you did it yep. seven or eight years in a row. So I don't know yep. if I can give you credit So eventually for hit hit for me, which is good. Um, I predicted Van Dieker would run the second fastest time ever in 2016, but I undersold him. Hmm. I got Kipchoge losing in 2018. I was just see, I'm just off by a year. I should look back at two years ago predictions to see if they'll come true. Here we go. Oh, well, so this is the perfect we... scenario because we're going two years. Normally, yeah. that we're a year early. So now, perfect. Well, I got. This is what I had for the 2019 season. U.S. men sweep the hundred, the two hundred, the four hundred. That's not mm. even a bold prediction, though. Is that even a bold? That wouldn't even be a bold prediction at the year. time. Oh, at the time, Van yeah. was healthy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Coburn Frerichs get gold and silver again. Three world records and an NCAA athlete gets gold. Which those, I mean, that actually, that Holloway got the gold. Yeah. U.S. men didn't, didn't they didn't get the 400 because of Norman. And Coburn Frerichs didn't get gold and silver again. So actually was not that good. was not that accurate <laughs> in retrospect. <laughs> All right. Should we go to emails? Yes. House of Run at gmail.com is the email address. Let's go through these real quick. Here's Brian, the emailer for me from Raleigh, but now from Pennsylvania. 
Drink. Hey guys, an athlete to watch in 2021 is Wake Forest and Australia's Zach. Sorry, there's a lot of screaming in the background. I don't know if you can hear that. Zach Fascioni. Apologies if I mispronounced that. He ran 751 for 3,000 a few weeks ago, winning by a few seconds. He also soloed uh, 1340-something, 5,000 a few weeks before that. Watch this space, he says. And that's Brian, the emailer, for me from Raleigh in Pennsylvania, but now from Boulder. He says, P.S. Kevin, congrats on the new child. Can we Venmo you slash Jason for your great idea of traveling to slash paying people to hang out with you and my new kid fund? Yes, you can definitely... Just Venmo Jason because any money sent to Jason is going to be used to come visit me. So Yeah, as soon as it's doable. Yeah, safety precautions will be in place. So remember Jason's Venmo, everybody? If not, get get out a pen and pencil right now. It's underscore – wait, what is it again? I'm trying to find it. I think it's just Jason-helping, but I'm got to It is. That. Let me look it up. You're in my thing here. Jason – Actually, I don't see you in here at all. Why are you not on here? Is it Jason Dash Halpin for real? Yes. Okay, there you go. Jason but Dash Halpin. You, you, yeah, you definitely oh, don't have to send me anything, but I do like how much Brian loves the uh, the Aussie athletes. It's good to have someone with eyes on it. I appreciate yeah. it. I appreciate it. We have a few people okay. who are you know, into the, the Aussies, but I, I like that he's, he's always you know, battling for them. Aussie, 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 right? Oi, oi, oi. Here we yeah. go. Marshall from St. Louis, formerly of Iowa. Yeah. I recently read the book Out of Thin Air, which is about a British lad who spends 15 months doing, quote, field research on the Ethiopian culture of running, i.e. he moves to Ethiopia and trains with them. A few takeaways. One, I know we rightfully give Kenanisa Bekele a lot of crap for his water on the shins excuse. However, based on the author's writings, this may be commonplace. The author interviews one runner who dropped out of the Shanghai Marathon after blitzing the first 5K in 1332 due to a problem with his leg because of water vapor rising from the road. I'm guessing a lot of Ethiopians just said, yep, been there before. Well, hold on. Huh. Hold on a second. I have another theory of why he dropped out of this race. Because he went out in 1332. Just a guess. Just a guess. Maybe that could have been it. The fact that he went out in no, 1332. No, but then it's much easier to say that it was the fault of water vapor. Yeah. That has a much stronger physiological and basis for it yes then uh, going out in 1332 for a marathon <laughs> crazy number two apparently ethiopian runners believe that their condition i.e what shape they're in can be stolen by evil spirits the author details one scene where in the middle of a 35k workout they find one of the female runners spasming and speaking in tongues the bus driver grabs water and a bible and goes on goes full-on exorcist to calm her down three toyota corollas are the sedan of choice for successful ethiopian runners boom I got that on lock then. Four, Ethiopia children only have one given name, which is then followed by their father's name. As a result, when commentators refer to Kennedy's Bekele as Bekele, Ethiopians become confused as to why they're referring to his father. Takeaway, only refer to Ethiopian runners by their first name and never their last name. That's Marshall. Yeah, we've talked about that before. It's just so hard to get out of that habit of doing it. Yeah, and I totally forgot about that until he uh, said that again. Wasn't the same thing with uh, Yao Ming? Yeah, he Yao was on the back I, of I his believe, jersey. I believe and I don't want to correct speak because I don't know totally, but I I know he had Yao on the back of his jersey, right? Mm-hmm. As the first name. And then same when in baseball with I'm mean, from uh Ichiro from Japan, he had Ichiro on the back of his jersey instead of Suzuki. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's completely commonplace. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's it's interesting. Here's one from Cranston. Yeah. 
It's been a while since we heard from Cranston. It's been a while, so it's exciting. He says, it was good to somewhat catch up on a year and track that I missed with this week's episode. I don't think I've seen any track since February. Two small quibbles with your selections. He's talking about the year-end year end awards, Jace. One, underrated performance of the year, Kramer as Steven Snell. Surprise you overlooked this one, Jason. And two, team of the year, the Kansas City Royals fran- fans. Hope you have a great year full of health, blessings, and track. Lisa Moustakis, that is Cranston. Do you, do you get the the, uh, the Seinfeld reference there? Yeah, I was trying to think. So Kramer as Steven Snell, is that – I mean, is that when he was um, – he was on some TV show, wasn't he? As Like a TV show within the TV show? Yeah, but do you know what TV show it is? I, don't I can't pull it. I don't know if Cranston was referring to this. Well, Google, Google the name. You'll see. Okay, Michael uh... – what comes up. I don't think Cranston was going for this double bank shot reference, but he walked his way into it, if I'm not mistaken. Murphy Brown? A.K.A. Murphy Lee, famous rapper from St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know if that's what he was going for. But it is Murphy Brown, right? Yes, okay. it is Murphy Brown. So I I mean, Kramer, it, you know, whatever happened with him, Michael Richards, uh, the character Kramer is one of the greatest like physical actors uh, comedic actors i've ever seen he, he was he was absolutely phenomenal that whole show i mean i'm never seeing everyone's <laughs> jerry seinfeld is by my far the weakest you know actor and, and character in that show but uh what's the deal the, the work with of me Jason acting? Alexander and yeah like it julia louis Travis is like the funniest human ever jason alexander is you know legendary it's 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 pretty insane you're giving out a lot of superlatives here for the show they're they're the best i mean i think those three is like the best combo of acting and characters ever in a sitcom and what's the show called (laughs) this is on this is on peacock now is this the one that used to be on netflix but now it's on peacock so everybody's yeah i peacock peacock that's okay everybody's quitting everybody's quitting netflix to join peacock got it okay on the subject of subjects, Trevor writes in, number one, Roger Kingdom, all caps, bold, underlined. Um, no mention of the back-to-back Olympic 110 hurdle champ who also set a world record. I love Alan John- Johnson and his impressive medal haul, but this at least deserves a discussion. Did we not – I thought I mentioned Roger Kingdom's name, but maybe it was just in passing. Mm. He should be on. Yeah, and I would, I would trust uh, Trevor to – You know, he probably wrote this right after the discussion and going, hey, what the hell, guys? How yeah. can you not say that? So in that case, yeah, absolutely should have been mentioned. I don't think he should have won, but there's no reason a back-to-back Olympic champ shouldn't have at least been uh, in the conversation. Two, when talking about celebrations, you admitted possibly one of the best celebrations ever. Mo Green taking off his shoes and having them doused with a fire extinguisher right there on the track. My feet were mm. burning. We had to put the fire out. Classic. <laughs> and that's Trevor. From yeah, that was, that was great. That was, uh, you know, if we could get some creativity like that again. I'd be all for it because that was uh, that was really good. You know, you had to have everything set up in advance. Obviously, it's yeah, yeah. the uh, sharpie in your shoe and signing the football after you score the touchdown. Like, uh, I miss the the stuff that goes into that. Maybe maybe Lyles could do that. He seems like he could be fun enough to uh, take over that mantle. That's exactly what I thought of when I the shoe the the shoe thing gets like resurfaced every couple of years, like the, that that celebration. That the fire yeah. extinguisher thing, and I just saw it on Twitter last week, and people like discover it for the first time. It's always been um, awesome, but I'm wondering that you're right. Is that the same era as t- 
T.O. with the Sharpie. And then remember Joe Horn, the receiver for the Saints, had the cell phone stuck oh, yeah. into the, uh, the field like goal the post. Back... Right? Yeah, exactly. But I wonder, so 04, was it? I'm trying to figure out when that was. Look up when T.O. Can you look up T.O. and the Sharpie? I want to see if this is the same yep. era. Was it? Was one influencing? Uh, 2002. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. What about Joe Horn? Uh, let's see. This is important. We need to get to the bottom of this right now. Yeah. Um. Wait, that can't be right. No. What year? Oh, it pulled out. No, I sorry, it was the wrong. Uh, it pulled out Michael Thomas's Joe Horn phone. Like he, oh, he created it. Apparently. Oh, okay, cool. Um, but I'm not getting a year for Joe Horn. I see a video here, maybe 08. Okay. You Google Joe Horn cell phone and there's nothing there? Yeah, no, there's a bunch of, but none of them say the actual year. Date. So yeah, um, 04 was, so I bet that there was some. So it's it was the early mid 2000s was the, uh, just the, the plan time for this. The plan celebration era. <laughs> man, so I'm watching a video of of Joe Horn doing this. Mm-hmm. Man, he catches the touchdown and so quickly sprints to the field goal post. Like I just, he's so excited to be doing his thing, and it's a crappy little flip phone. Oh, it's so so good. So didn't the NFL say no celebrations, and now the celebrations are back? I'm I don't watch. The yeah, NFL. You, you can't use props. I st- I think still. Um, so they're fine with celebrations, but I don't believe you're allowed to bring in outside props. And don't you, you have to celebrate as a group? Is that the rule or something? Oh, maybe you might be right. Cause I remember for a while they were flagging everything and it just was so stupid. Yeah. Cause it was, yeah, it's like, Hey, let them, let them do it. I remember when so- somebody used the pylon as a golf club on the football. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm watching the Joe Horn thing now. Yeah. He was just like, so pumped. He's like, I, that would have been really like awesome. how many games before that did he have it in there and he didn't, uh, you know, oh, it was he didn't, stuck he in there for a little bit. It. And who did he? I wonder who he said he was calling. So what did To do? To did the sharpie, the t- sharpie, the pom poms. That's right. Ocho Cinco did the uh, pylon golf celebration. The sharpie must have been the first one, though, right? I think so. I think that was like the first of that kind. Yeah. Um. You know, like props and everything else so like it's, that. It's in his shoe. So that was O two. Yeah, this was two years before. Two years before Marie's screen. Um, Jeff Garcia drops back, pass down to the 10. Terrell Owens got it. He's in for the touchdown. Yeah, so I'm watching a T.O. celebration. So here he's taking the uh, taking the pom-poms. Now he's doing the Dirty Bird against the Falcons. That's yeah. – or no, against the Ravens. That, that, not the Dirty Bird. The uh, Ray Lewis touchdown dance. Oh, or, you know, yeah, yeah, dance. yeah. I remember that. Um, yeah, I guess the thing with he, the Sharpie was like, hey, man. When he ran out to the, the Dallas Star. I remember that. And then got clubbed for that. Yep, 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 yep. He was – I mean – he, he was definitely a dick. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. What do you mean? It was awesome. <laughs> oh, it's it's great. Like I love the celebrations. I think you know, purposely uh, mocking the other team when you're doing it. Like it's if great. he ends, if you end up getting clocked, I have no problem with that. Oh, I just get the whole the funny thing of like he's disrespecting our. It's like oh a yeah, star no, it's, it's nonsense. It's, it's total nonsense. But like, and he's doing he's playing the heel, right? I mean, that's like his whole yeah yeah, yeah. goal. I I, well, I just think it was funny. He literally put a sharpie in his sock. Yep. Oh, here it is. Yep. I mean, it's insane. like this is perfect. Sharpie in the sock, I think, is just just an absolute perfect one. If someone did that in track, would they be DQ'd for having a broad mm. equipment onto the field? I don't know. Like, like what piece of equipment could you bring 
clandestinely onto a starting line that you could then use in your celebration? Right. That's a good question. It would have to be something in your sock, wouldn't it? Yeah, unless it's something like detaches from when you you know necklace or something like that. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of runners wear necklaces. Yeah. What you need to do is you need to have someone throw some like you need the angle situation with the beer because you need it to happen after the race is over so nobody can DQ you for actually doing something during the race. I think that's the way to right. go. Like have someone throw something down to you or have someone run out with a fire extinguisher. <laughs> like he was literally there with a fire extinguisher. <laughs> What, yeah, I mean that's what if Maurice Greenfall started. I wonder who, you know, who, who was the idea man? Was it Maurice Green's idea? Was it one of you know? Was it a publicist? Yeah, was it, yeah. Who was it? I don't know. Whoever it was deserves a raise. Still talking about it. Still talking about it. sixteen years later. Here we go. Another one from Brian. Uh, sometimes stellar results from down under get missed. Uh, I don't know, Brian. I'm not sure. This one shouldn't slip under the radar. Stuart McSwain caps his ridiculous 2020 with a solo 350 mile. That's 350, Jace. It was reminiscent of Alan Webb's 346 in that Stewie ran 350 in a very low-key meet. Matram's 348 Aussie record is right there. So what is Stewie's best event? What's his best chance in Melbourne, Tokyo? I put his chances at 1,500 and 10,000 pretty close for the 15. It's usually tactical, but an era of chariot. If you run like a time trial, I can see Stewie snagging a silver or a bronze and dipping under 3.30 in that scenario. And the 10,000, although Stewie just lost his Aussie record to Pat Tiernan, 10,000 could be a bit more tactical. By tactical, I mean what we saw in Doha. I don't think it's unreasonable to say Stewie could run in the 2640s if he's around at the end of the 10,000. He could snag a medal with his speed. As for the five, that's usually more tactical. I don't think Stewie can rip a 52-53 that slab. However, chapter guy Kiplimo could make it fast for sure. Uh, could make it fast race. The problem with the five is that there's more depth than the 10 and even the 15 at this time. A medal for Stewie could depend on which event Jacob Ingebrigtsen decides to run. That is Brian. What do you think? What do you think? I mean, just around 350, I would be inclined to say, hey, just don't overthink it and do the 1500. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of out of, you know, the, the, the gold seems kind of insurmountable there, but the rest of it's pretty open. Um, It'll be interesting what Ingerbitson decides to do as well, because mm-hmm. he's, I mean, he might be the second best 1500 meter in the world. Mm-hmm. He might be right there in the five as well. Um, yeah. Uh, it seems like 15 makes the most sense. I mean, it'd be interesting to see him run the 10 with that kind of speed. Um, I but yeah, if I had to pick, I'd rather him run the 15. Yeah, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't overthink it. Let's go to. Alicia from London. When you were speaking yep. about Avicii a few episodes ago, it made me think about Mondo. He's known to ask for Avicii's levels to play when vaulting. It's actually playing in the background as he clears 618. She passed along a YouTube clip oh. here. She says his music does play a lot of track meets in Europe. Sally, though, he passed in 2018, which I oh, I totally did not forgot know about that. that. Yeah, I did not know that. Love the American Goats episode. Who would be your top picks for European Goats? In different events or overall, Whew. that sounds like a, a project for the coming months, Jason. The European goes. Yeah, it's yeah. If we got a if we got a slow week or something, I we might have to run through that too. That's. That, I like that how could be Europe really interesting. I like how Europe. Well, most of Europe likes the rest of Europe so much that they want to group themselves together. Like we didn't make the North American goats. We made the right. American goats. But I think yeah, and I think you know, I mean, obviously, some countries it would be a pretty 
thin list. I mean, there's a lot of smaller countries mm-hmm. over there too. Um, so so piecing them together, yeah, I think I think uh, European goats would be good. Yeah. So who's getting like the? Let's see. European. I think Mo Farah might be the. Yeah, year. I feel pretty good about the five and the ten going to Mo Farah, but yeah. I might have to dig in further than that. Yeah, I think that's a. I think that's close to a lock. I think we might uh, hurdles. I think you got to go Colin Jackson. I got, and I'm, I haven't even started on the women's side here. This will be a good project. Okay. I mean, Lasse Viren too, though, in the five and ten is going to be some good competition Viren? for, for Farah. You gonna run an Ulu or is he gonna run Olu? 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 What do we, what do we say? Olu. Olu. Olu, right? yeah. Olu. Okay, the other Brian from Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah. He says, fire up the American record song. Repeating his success after the London Marathon, Ryan Hall was able to secure an interview with Sarah Hall for his podcast. <laughs> Man, he's got connections. During the discussion, she revealed that according to her watch, she averaged 519 pace for the entire race. Her watch measured 26.44. Miles, a 519 pace puts her at about 18 seconds ahead of Caster's record. So I ask you, who are you going to trust? The guy with a $40 measuring wheel from Amazon or the technology of the multi-billion dollar GPS infrastructure? Believe science and fire up the American record song. This makes the GPS worth about three seconds a mile or less than 1%. So don't go casting aspersions like you do for the shoes. <laughs> That's good. I like it. I uh, The measuring I process is insane. The course though. was perfect. I think it was perfect. I think she didn't run the optimum optimal uh distance you know she didn't she didn't cut every corner yeah. with perfect <laughs> precision uh, when we started doing a podcast in 2010 would you have ever thought that ryan hall would also be doing a podcast it's just crazy how many athletes yeah have gotten into it it's nuts like there's podcasts that i feel like i've been listening to forever and like how did this get made it's a good great podcast i'm sure everyone knows what it is mm-hmm. they're they just passed their 10-year anniversary i'm like wow we started before they did mm-hmm. yeah and they're this pretty successful, long-established podcast. We, we've been around for a while. So, no, I didn't think anybody would have a podcast, really. Well, it's just interesting how prevalent it's become. I think probably it's such a low barrier to entry, and it's yeah. it's less work than starting a blog. There was that time when everybody was starting blogs, but writing is hard. Yes. Talking is not as hard. The good people make it look really easy, and they're obviously yeah. There's obviously levels to it, but it's just it's so much more inviting than I think doing any sort of other project like a YouTube page or a, or or something written. So that it just it just causes everybody to do them. It's just insane. I don't know. That's a good analysis on podcasting by me. Yeah, podcaster. no, but I mean, I th- I think you're right though. I think everybody. And, you know, if you listen to podcasts, you probably have gone like, huh, what would my podcast be like, mm-hmm. be, be about? And then literally all you have to do is get a microphone and some basic recording software and you you can do one. Like it's not yeah, yeah. that, I mean, the, the, you know, the amount that kind of stick around, you know, because after a while, like it's really easy to stop doing it when you get lazy about it. I uh, know about that. But, uh, yeah. you know. Not for us, but for for most people. Well, also it appears. It's like if you wrote a book, and it appears. I mean, if people went to bookstores anymore. Your book is in the same bookstore as John Grisham's book. 
with your your, your podcast right. is in the same places as the other prominent podcast. No one's seeing it, obviously, because you are only finding it and seeing it because you're typing in the words for it. But I think it it just it makes you feel like you're on doing the same type of work as very successful people are, even if you are nowhere close. And I say this from experience and what has made me feel good about it. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah, type I mean, into we, Apple Podcasts. It's right there. Just yeah, the psychology of it interesting. Very, you know, like limited. I mean, when you when you start off t- t- 10 plus years ago and say, hey, I want to start a running podcast, immediately the ceiling on it was pretty <laughs> clear. But... Yeah, we've it's already you know like the the listener base and the you know the way it's worked out is already you know better than I would have anticipated for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, the whole thing just blew up, like podcasts blew up. Like yeah, I mean, there, there weren't there people in the beginning? I think when the podcast first came out, thinking okay, this is not something worth investing in, and now it's I don't even know what the ad dollars are. I think it's oh I, yeah, they got to be massive for yeah. the really successful ones. Yeah, the whole the whole industry is. I mean, there's you know a bunch of companies that are just built out just on the only thing they do is turn out turn out podcasts. Pretty remarkable. I thought people would want to learn about podcasts during that segment, so that's why I brought that up. I just it made me think. I didn't know Ryan Hall had a podcast, and that's the crazy thing. It's not that these people are doing them; it's that these people are doing them, and you don't even know about it because there's so many of them. Yeah, like if Ryan Hall started yeah, a podcast like five years ago. Well, if he started one five years ago, we would know about it, don't you think? Because you'd be like, whoa, yeah. Ryan Hall's doing a podcast? He's he's still running or he's he's a professional athlete. That's weird. They're not doing that. And now everybody's doing them, so you don't even pay attention when more people do them. That. Blown up, man. We got in early, but somehow still didn't cash out on it. <laughs> That's what you do, Jason. You got to be – you get that first mover advantage, and then you have the – that's all you have, just the first mover advantage. Another one from Brian. <laughs> Is Colin Benny the most underrated American distance runner right now? He finished ninth at the trials in his debut, and now he finishes third at the Marathon Project, running a PR by over 2.5 minutes. Nobody, hyperbole, has said anything about his runs at the trials in the Marathon Project. He wasn't talked about going into the race. If he stays consistent and healthy, I see him on the 2024 Olympic team. Becoming a doctor is important at all. That's a good way to start a sentence. Comma. But Marty, (laughs) can you put it on pause for a bit so we can see you continue to progress? It's unbelievable how he's been able to train for the marathon in med school with two children thus far, but residency sounds like it will make training a bit harder. Can't know for sure. I'm not a doctor. And Scrubs is my only reference point. Marty has mentioned that his next focus will be the 10,000 at the trials. Not an easy team to make, but how do you guys assess his chances? That is Brian. I think he's a long shot for the 10,000. As for Benny, yeah, he's not getting talked about at all because he's had a breakthrough year. But been you know, but now he's behind hair. So it's like you can only talk about so many breakthroughs before uh, before you run out of you know space to do it. Somebody right who I think is consistently underrated on the men's side of things in distance running is Josh Thompson because he would have made that team if he had the standard in 2019, mm-hmm. and he didn't. And he was running really well last year. He won U.S. indoors, beat 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 angles. Obviously, there was no world indoors, and then no season last year at all. He could have crept into the equation, and I don't think he gets talked about in the same way and or brought up as much as someone like Ben Blankenship or Robbie Andrews 
does. Not to say those guys don't deserve it because they do. They've they've made teams as well too. But Josh Thompson doesn't get mentioned a lot. Women's side of things, underrated. Underrated women's distance runner. I'm not hmm. trying to think. Can does anybody jump out? <sighs> not really. I feel like you know when someone starts. I mean, we try to stay on top Kira of her. Kira D'Amato. No, <laughs> I mean, but yeah, and we've mentioned her the whole year. Yeah, because, yeah, like, yeah. She's had such a big breakout. It's hard to, I think, you know, I'm sure someone could tell us that we haven't talked about so-and-so enough, yeah. and we get that um, from time to time, for sure. Uh, we've been accused of many people. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 tough. I mean, it's with, with Benny, yeah, I mean, his future at the marathon looks really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, 10,000, I honestly have no idea just because he for hair for benny for benny um you know him talking about him going after the well he's talking about hair for the ten thousand. benny oh okay that makes way more sense yeah Yeah. um yeah i mean i still think like i agree with generally more of a long shot um he's a marathoner no yeah i mean you would think so sometimes that crossover kind of works but it's just very hard and uh i mean the men's 10 isn't insanely deep but uh Still would have to, yeah, you know, put up something pretty good. But do you feel about? Do you feel good about Lopez Lamong making the team? Yes. Do you feel good about Kip Schertzer making the team again? And I would think so. Do you feel good about Eric Jenkins being able to make the team? I should be should be able to for sure. Yeah, and there's there's three right there. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard for any of those marathon. Even someone like Leonard Career, who's made the ten thousand team before, it's gonna be hard going against those those guys who have such quick closes right now, who can who can you know who are still in like low 13 shape right or lemong sub 13 shape <laughs> there's there's just a lot of speed to handle and coming at it from the distance side of things is gonna be difficult okay uh one more here from marshall on mal whitfield stumbled across this below quote tuskegee airman mal whitfield took an unusual path to winning gold medal in the 1952 helsinki olympics marvelous mal was an active duty tail gunner during the height of the Korean War. He trained for the Olympics on a military airstrip between his bombing missions. His legacy inspired several branches of the military to create special duty assignments for world-class athletes. End quote. In other words, we would not have Paul Chalimo winning silver in Rio without Mao. More importantly, we would not have had the instant classic quote about pacing the Bowerman Track Club, nor the best Instagram Twitter beef of 2020 between Lopez and Chalimo. I think this happened in 2020 anyway. All the best. That is Marshall. So we were wondering about this because we just looked through the Wikipedia page and it didn't specify whether or not, like, when he was in, when he was serving during Korea relative yeah. to Olympics. But they were right on top of each other. Yep. And he's uh, training on an airship. And uh, that's pretty crazy. Dude, that dude's awesome. That's I'm I've never felt better about a goat designation than Mount Whitfield right. in the 800. <laughs> Brazier could run 138 next year, and I might be like, yeah, I need to see more. <laughs> I just need to see more. Uh, here's JD, New York, by way of Illinois. Your recent Great. talk about the longevity of records inspired me. We've seen a lot of creative innovations designed to help runners break records. Vaporflies, hologram rabbits, guide lights, but I predict there's a lot of of bold ideas still left to try. What potential advancements should our sport try next? My suggestion, wind calibration. Why not get some large wind machines and calibrate every race to have the perfect tailwind? Yes, for distance events, this means the wind, more screaming in the background, I apologize, 
the wind would be going in different directions on the front and back straights, but that's not out of the realm of meteorological possibilities. See mild stationary tornadoes. <laughs> Vaporfly track is his next idea. Why stop at Vaporfly shoes? If you can use Vaporfly shoes on a Vaporfly track, then that's double the Vaporfly, and by my calculation, that means a 4% improvement on your 4% improvement. I would propose Vaporfly bones, but I don't want Sebco to burst through my wall like the Kool-Aid man, or as they call him in England, <laughs> the proper chuffed-up kettle bloke. <laughs> oh that's really good windbreaker hair hire rabbits to grow knee length hair and then use thick gel to stare their hair into a wall potential record setter can draft comfortably behind these half hair walls for an aerodynamic advantage also if we get approval on the wind machines this can also be used to create a sailboat style advantage for the runners themselves finally hologram threats for survival chemicals <laughs> forget what forget fancy event introductions coaches should be using video mapping technology to project motivational threats onto the track things like encroaching lava rabid animals a pumpkin man or even a bunch of little freddy kruegers on equally small but surprisingly fast motorcycles could give athletes a boost of those animalistic survival chemicals that they might not otherwise have access to I'm sure you've probably discussed these exact options, so my apologies. What other performance-enhancing tactics do you think should be explored? Nothing ridiculous, serious answers only, please. That is JD by New York by way of Illinois. Oh, man. You know, since we didn't read this on the show, I didn't even consider it for uh, email of the year. But, man, it, sh- it should have been in the uh, in the finals. This was, this was really good. Um, Man, so yeah, I mean, so how would you feel about getting super weird with it? Where it obviously doesn't count for records, like wind calibration, something like that. But uh, you know, just to see what the the limits could be. I mean, the one obviously, the one that's been tried already was the wind thing. Gatlin mm. did that. Was it in Japan? I believe a couple of years ago, and ran yeah something like that, and ran nine five or something like that um i'm fine with it i mean the wind thing i think would yeah it'd be fun just to see i don't think it would be as crazy as people think it is because we've seen we've seen even plus fours and plus fives been measured and it's not like with the plus four or plus five we've seen yeah but we've seen some like stupid fast times but it's it's did DeGrasse, did DeGrasse run 9.5 with the wind? No, he ran whatever, 9.7, 9.8. So it, it wouldn't push us in a different realm. I think if you already had a great athlete and you just did it on top of it, it might be interesting to see. But two meters a second is not – it's not that much. Also, wouldn't it be hard – again, this is my knowledge is going to fail me here. But how do you make it be two meters a second the entire way? Right, because it's going to get slower, or Unless depending, you, I guess, where you measure it. You measure it halfway. You measure it halfway. Right, so so in the beginning, you're going to be getting four, and by the end, you're getting almost none. Like, wouldn't it be something along those lines? If you, if you have to make two be the middle ground? Yeah, see, I should, yes, but I'm not sure. that's how the old technology kind of was. They were taking an average wind speed, which goes back to Flojo's 1048. If people want to read that, they can. The wind read zero in oral history of Flojo and Schiffer's 100-meter world record. Um, Now I I think it's more 
precise in terms of how they're they're reading it. But yeah, I mean it runs for keeps running for about 10 seconds. So theoretically what could happen is they could run past the where the measure and someone please write in and correct me if I'm wrong with the with the new technology. I was more steeped in the 1980s technology and it was several years ago that I did this, but basically wind can influence the reading that is not influencing the runners. Which right. isn't isn't a crazy proposition because the runners are in different positions as is. So of course the wind is going to be reading different things for different runners or, or not being able to fully um, like give the full picture on every single runner out there. It's not equal. It's not equal. It's not going to be a hundred percent fair. I think what you could do um, is like what he said with the vapor fly bones. I think that is a real innovation that we need to consider in 2021. Yeah. I'm all for that for sure. Um, man, I'm looking at Andre Grass's uh, Tillistopia page here, and so he ran 969 with a plus 4.8, and 975 with a plus 2.7. Oh, so he did run under 97. Okay, nine, yeah, 969. Okay. Um. Okay. Do you know what his his PR is? Lin, when legal? When legal is the 992, isn't it? Uh, 990. Okay. He yeah. did tw- in 2019. Um, that's crazy. He's never run nine eight wind or no, but he's run nine six, nine seven, and nine nine. Yeah, where's the? I'm trying to find the converter. I used to have it saved in my tabs here. I can't, I can't find it now. But I wonder if his. I wonder if you convert the four point eight down to two point zero, if that gets you to, if that would be a converted PR. I'm sure it would. I mean, even his nine seven five with a two point seven would probably get you for sure. Isn't that really what this is supposed to exclude? The whole, you know, the having rules around wind. It's supposed to include performances such as that. Or when Kenny Bednarik went to JUCO and set a blaze and ran, uh, or sorry, NJCAAs and ran whatever nineteen five or something with this gargantuan wind. Yeah, I mean, it knocks out the other stuff, but I think stat heads are less concerned with oh, DeGrasse ran nine eighty six with a nine. Point, or sorry, with a 2.4, that's way faster than his win legal PB of 982. They're more concerned with, okay, it was 4.8 and you ran 969. You would yeah. have been the, you would have been the whatever number such and such all time. So, de, so Bednarik in 20, was this 2019? Yeah. He ran 1949 with a plus 6.1. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. And then he ran, um, that was in the that was in the heats, and then the final he ran nineteen eighty two with a minus point eight. Then there, but it was at altitude, and he had a plus six behind him. I mean, at the same meet he ran forty four seventy three in a four hundred, where the wind not as not as much as a factor. So I don't. I just want to argue about fewer things, and I want people to realize it's just there's just it's not going to be perfect. It's never going to be measured absolutely perfectly. And where I feel bad in terms of the wind stuff is when you have heats that qualify to a final and someone yeah. gets the advantage of it or jumps, someone gets an advantage of it and someone doesn't. That that sucks because of the head-to-head nature of it. But in terms of the record book, it's, it's never going to be perfect. And it's really hard to measure accurately all these different advantages. That's my conclusion. 
Yeah. No, it's... Yeah, I agree. I, that, that's the worst is when just heat to heat, it can go from a 2.5 to a 0.4. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, oh, man, that's that's a big advantage. Yeah. But this, you just, what are you supposed to do with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could do no no time qualifiers first four next you know go to a yeah go to a two heat semi and then it's just all based on qualification um top four but still then you're talking about okay you're eliminating the eighth you know it's a debate about eighth and ninth which is important but it's it's kind of it's like debating at that point you can say hey finish the top three in your heat or finish top two in your heat if you're if you were going to make the team yeah then you need to be doing a little more well yeah it's the same it's the number 12 seed debating and complaining to the NCAA about they should have been this or that, right? They got left out of the tournament. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, they they picked a bunch of teams. If you won a couple more games, you could have taken that care of that yourself. Okay, can you read this last one? It's long. Uh, it's from the 16th of December. It's, okay. It's from Alex. I think, I think you'll do a good job reading that one. And then we have one uh, or two voicemails from – from chief and then we're all done all right here we go uh top running moments is a subject gentlemen i'm ready to end with a harrowing tale of innovation danger and triumph in simpler times we didn't have a bunch of hokey blue jean mile records or dribbling basketball miles total rubbish there was only one gimmick mile to rule them all one gimmick mile to bind them that is of course the beer mile there were four of us on a steamy hot july day in 2014 each of us with our better running days behind us united by own only by complete and utter boredom, the need to taste glory one last time. Uh, now you may be thinking, what an awful choice to run a beer mile in the first place. You may be thinking, what an awful choice to do it in 80 plus degree heat. Mm-hmm. You may be thinking, can a mediocre sprinter even run a full mile? <laughs> and you'd be right on all counts, except for one, we weren't drinking beer. Due to a constellation of personal differences and dietary restrictions, we were drinking chocolate soy milk. <laughs> hindsight as they say is 2020 i'm gonna go ahead and say foresight could have got this one for you. uh the four of us towed the line julie the only one with a mile pr 445 was the consensus pre-race favorite we gave her the rail the rest of us were complete unknowns i was to her right looking particularly regal in my combustible baby blue high school track singlet on my outside was mitch and outside of him was dylan who as far as i know hadn't run a step in four years mm-hmm. At the gun, as the first ever 12 ounces of chocolate soy milk passed through my virgin lips, I knew we were in trouble. (laughs) After 20-ish seconds of chugging the smoothie thick beverage, we moved out of the first lap in a tight pack. Anguish immediately set in, but our determination carried us through. Heading into the second glass, I held a slim and inexplicable lead over Julie. The second chug was another grueling 20 seconds as the despicable chocolate potion brewed steadily in my stomach, and then we were off to scald to scald dogs and put records out of reach. Chug three, chug three was excruciating, but I retained a slight margin on the field. Untold levels of anguish were going on behind me. Uh, the only thing scalding at this point was the sun beating down on our soy milk laden bellies. And the only thing out of reach, sadly was the porta potty for Dylan. He deposited 36 ounces of soy milk, as well as the balance of his lunch out in lane eight on his hands and knees, staring off into the picturesque vista of Mount Mansfield and wondering if he was finally in Valhalla. (laughs) Getting through the third lap was a monumental feat in itself. We were about six minutes into the race at this point, and it was a pure guts race. There was no way I was going to lose. Something changed inside me, or maybe it was the noxious, sun-heated, double-thick chocolate soy drink plotting a gruesome escape. 
Regardless, I blitzed through the fourth chug in about 30 full seconds, two breaks for air, with the lead in hand. Something changed inside Mitch, too, and he made a move on the backstretch. Unfortunately for him, this time it was the noxious, sun-heated, double-thick chocolate soy, soy drink's revenge. He wobbled slowly to a halt, put forth a Herculean effort to hold down his 48 ounces of pure death in a cup, and unleashed a torrent that some still say marks the track. Oh. It was a blur from then on. I was pumping my arms and legs at 200 out, stomach bulging through the glossy, slightly sheer material that was popular with athletic directors in the 90s. As the foul, foul, faux dairy churned dangerously inside of me. I pushed my shiny, Smurf-like frame to the limit and crashed through the finish line, looked back to see Julie about five seconds behind. It was a close race, but I had won. Or had I? (laughs) (laughs) The next hours were spent, uh, crossed out, moaning, gagging, and openly weeping, slowly recovering and stretching. Uh, The next days were spent celebrating my own performance. The next months were spent grieving for more poor grieving for my poor abused stomach and the last six years have been spent in contemplation thoughts slowly drifting to and fro like mitch's pre throw up a death waddle to this day i haven't had another sip of that cursed liquid as everyone's favorite harnesser of electricity and inventor of bifocals once said beer is proof that god loves us and wants us to be happy surely he would not say the same about chocolate soy milk Sincerely, Alex, former mediocre sprinter from Vermont and now from Boston, drink your chocolate soy milk, Braylon. <laughs> or don't. I don't know if anybody's going to want to. Man, drink it this that. is another one that, you know, I, I'm going to enter both those, these last uh, couple emails I talked about into email of the year consideration for next year, mm. for 2021, because they were read in 2021. And that's what counts. Um, this is a great story. Uh, chocolate soy milk is way worse than beer. To, to run just the the heaviness of it uh the carbonation of beer i, I get would uh make it difficult not to throw up i think mm-hmm. but uh i think without question this was more difficult Ugh. yeah but was... i commend him for winning i'm be- beating uh beating julie who you know went in this pre-race favorite <laughs> one of our first one of the i guess one of the upsets you know of the year that we did not talk about it enough okay uh we got two voicemails here um, from Chief, one from the 24th and one from the 22nd. So they're old. I don't know how relevant they are, but it's Chief nonetheless. All right. Well, here is the 22nd. What a voice, Chief from Illinois, now in Indianapolis. Drinker of milk, Braylon. Uh, boys, got a question for you. Uh, specifically, this this one I would like to ask Jason. Jason, with the NBA starting up again, I'm getting all these uh, posts fed to me on Instagram and Facebook with LeBron James and a bunch of other people showing up to the court and showing up to press conferences just dripping. They just look so swaggy. So tell me why all the track athletes show up to the track and show up to press conferences looking like they're wearing their high school assigned uniform track warm-up suits. Like, I know that Des Linden is a a big shoe nerd. I know that. I've seen her in Gucci showing up places. I know that that Galen Rupp has a killer shoe collection. He's he's a sneakerhead for sure. His J collection rivals a lot of professional professional uh, basketball players. So why do they show up to the track and show up to press conferences just Looking like bombs, man. With that, peace, boys. 
I love that he you know uh, put this towards me because I am clearly the fashion expert yeah, of yeah, yeah. the show. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think he brings up a great point, um, and because the NBA wasn't always like this either, right? I mean, this mm-hmm. didn't used mm-hmm. to be a you know where you'd show up, and some people, you know, maybe Russell Westbrook takes it to extents that I don't fully understand. Because uh, high fashion to me, I guess, is yeah, yeah. a bridge too far. But uh, yeah, you could come up with some some really you know good looking stuff there. Yeah, I think this needs to happen more, without question. Um, I think you know a, a few of the women's runners at least will try to do some stuff either with hair or nails or you know to try to show their kind of you know f- like free style side. And we see that a little bit. But we don't see it a ton with guys. We see a occasional, uh, a you know, spray painted hair, like slope style know. side. I don't know. Yeah, same, same. Oh, kind of free thing. spirit. But, you know, free spirit. Try to express themselves a little, yeah, a little more um, with their with their fashion or with their with their appearance. Um, but I, I I agree with Chief. I think this needs to happen more, right? Like, why not? I think because they're told to wear their sponsors' clothes, and yeah, it, I mean, Nike makes some pretty fashionable stuff, right? Yeah, so, but that's probably not the stuff they're getting for free from mm, Nike. That's true. And when the NBA players are walking out, I don't think they're under any obligation to wear their sponsors' stuff. They're wearing designer stuff. They're carrying right. bags and wearing shoes that are not necessarily – they're not athletic footwear. Or in Kawhi Leonard's case, sweats. Um what do they say over the summer when in the bubble? Kawhi Leonard looks like he's walking to the ice machine at the hotel room. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like Tim Duncan was famous. He he dressed like a dad. Who, oh yeah, you know, just couldn't well, have cared less. Um, some people aren't going to do it, but some people took the whole dress code thing and they totally turned it into an opportunity and said, "Well, if they're going to make us right, if we have to dress, because they didn't used to have to dress up, right? That wasn't a thing." And then David Stern put the dress code into the league. Am I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was for guys sitting on the bench. Um, you know, if you weren't playing or whatever, you had to be in, in dress code. But I think that applied to people walking to the gym too, uh, to the stadium too. So they took that and they just said, well, let's – I can sell this basically. So I'm sure they're getting paid by designers to wear their clothes um, and that does not exist in track. But I, I would – I wish they did. I remember when Mutaz Essabarshim showed up to a pre-classic – press conference wearing an Oregon football jersey and people thought it was cool. That's yeah. the that's the bar basically. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's it's not too crazy. And you know, it's like I said a lot of these people in their own even if it's not handed out by the sponsor, you know, have if Rupp has a ton of Jordans, like those should be I I would imagine are Oh yeah, by, they, are. they are. by contract, you know. So uh I I think you could that you know, probably a lot of them have some pretty pretty cool stuff that uh, for whatever reason hasn't fully crossed over yet. Yeah. I bet they, I bet Rupp does have that, and I bet that's totally allowed. Although I'm guessing they probably want more him to push the, the running product line because that's who he's quote unquote appealing to. But right. I also think that he doesn't think that way because no one's telling him, "Hey, you should wear something really cool to the press conference to get people talking." It's just not how they're. And it's weird to see to picture Galen Rupp like yeah decide to be that guy. Yeah, like it's like if if Steve Kerr was coming out in just like a full on Gucci yeah. sweatsuit. It's just like be like, oh, that's an interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, people aren't looking at it as much. I don't know because track is not seen as a major sport because it's not covered as a major sport. They're they're not looking at all these media obligations as opportunities. 
that's part of it too. They're, right. they're looking at it more as an obligation or a box that they have to check, as opposed to okay, man, I get camera time. Well, if I get camera time, this is what I this is what I'm gonna do with that camera time. I'm not saying everybody does that doesn't do that. Some people definitely do, in terms of like how they what they what they talk about and how they how they speak. But uh, I'd say the yeah, majority and, and of kind of you know Bolt took advantage of that more, and and he I mean he was the biggest star. Right, but this Bol- sport has ever seen basically. So I mean, and if you you're know, Puma, maybe, what do you want Bolt wearing in those things? You just want to make sure there's a Puma lo- logo visible, right? You want people to associate Bolt with Puma and Puma with Bolt, essentially. Yes, but you're not going to develop a whole designer line, <laughs> so that way Bolt can wear it to a, one press conference. Right. You just, no, you 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 do have the Bolt line, but it's you know it's more athletic wear and stuff like that. But it's yeah, it gave him more. It gave him more things that he could easily wear in that kind of scenario than just about anybody because of who he was. Yeah. I think they're just caring about shirts with his own face on it. You know, there's not a lot of guys who have that option. Sure. But he didn't wear that to the press conference. That's, I mean, that's maybe, maybe maybe he did and I don't remember it, but I think that was just like, Oh, it's a secret Jersey thing. Let's just, just do that. I bolt was not obviously shy. No, (laughs) but there are athletes that are shy and, they're big in the running world of things, but they're not big outside of running, and they're and they're used to that. So I don't think they, th- I don't. I think a lot of athletes don't even think that other people care. Yeah, right. Yeah, it just takes the right personality because there's. I mean, there's NBA stars who, you know, I. I, I mean, when when Derrick Rose was an MVP, he was not the. He was not that guy. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like he he was just a much more reserved guy. There was the whole like everyone dancing at the All Star game, and he's like, "I don't do that," and he didn't dress yeah, yeah. fine. Like it's, that's fine. Like obviously, you can do whatever you want to do, and there's just enough major st- NBA stars who do it, and so it's you know more on the forefront. But yeah. I think you know if, if if a few guys and girls decided to just like kind of step it up, step yeah, up that yeah. game a little bit, I think it would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, you certainly when you see it on social media and stuff, it's like every fourth athlete is thinks they're a model basically yes. <laughs> and they're taking all these they're taking all these photos i'm still trying to figure out who takes the photos of them when they're running because they're out in some trail out in the middle of nowhere at least that's how it right. looks and there's all these shots i guess you go with a buddy and then you say oh, hold on i'm gonna run by this part and then you stop and you take a picture it's just it's weird i never thought that that's how it worked but i guess i got to embed myself on one of those we runs. were never fast enough for it and that's the problem yeah. when you when you're that fast then people just show up to uh <laughs> to take secretly phone. take you awesome instagram pictures all right there's one more uh you read the one from the 22nd oh yeah yes yeah. there's one from the 20 actually I think there's two from the 24th yeah there are let me play those ones back to back maybe okay here we go what up boys chief from illinois now in indianapolis drink your milk braylon Sully, I'm confused, man. A year ago, you were saying that Japan has more 209 marathoners than than America, and I'm listening to this week's podcast, and now you're saying 209 is not good enough. I I mean, we've dropped a minute off of our like middle of the pack guys in a year. I mean, if we drop another minute, then we got a pack of 208 guys. So, at what point are we just going to be uh, going to celebrate the wins here? I thought that I'd, I'd fire up House of Run and hear like, "Yes, we're finally got a bunch of 209 guys," and now 209's not good enough. 
So I was actually a, a little uh, little surprised. Sorry, there's a fire truck up ahead of me, but um, yeah, guys, I I was I was pretty surprised with that. So with that, peace, boys. All right, let me get in here before you play the other one. Can I get in here yeah. right now? Okay, please. A couple things are true. Yes, they broke through the barrier. Yes, there were multiple guys running under 210, and there's one guy who ran under 209. Rare. Rare instance. Historic depth for the United States. Um, but you got to ask yourself two questions. Hold on. Even more screaming than I ever would have imagined behind me now. <laughs> Work from home, am I right? Um I've totally lost my train of thought, and I can't even think of why I lost my train of thought. Oh, yes, uh, historic level of runners and okay. So, so is the rest of the pack closer? So, Galen Rupp, we know can compete with the best in the world. It, are the rest of the United States runners closer to Galen Rupp now? I don't think so. And are is the United States closer to the rest of the world? I don't think so. Am I wrong on either of those two things? I mean, if I am, tell me. Yeah, I think. I mean, yes, you are. I'm wrong, but. Yes, Where am I because wrong? because you're saying they're not closer when they clearly are. It's incrementally. Is it is it like oh all these guys are now you know uh, potential to be top three at a major marathon? Okay, may- no, but like they they did get fa- you know faster, and it's a bigger group. But everybody's Ooh. getting faster. I mean, look at the look at the look at this year's list and like where they sit on the yearly list as compared to, to previous years. Who's our? Well, this this year's is a. Is a well, they'd probably be. I know, but because but there's not many. I'm saying, but. I'm saying the the. I don't want to go into the shoes, but people are running faster now, right? Well, yeah, for sure. Um, but it's still like, I mean, you have to run two o nine. I mean, you don't have to, but generally, you run two o nine before you run two o eight before you run two o seven. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I, so it is. It is a step. It's, you know, I don't think it's like, hey, American marathoning is crushing it now and they're they're right there. Like I, I see your point. It's not it didn't change the landscape of the marathon. Right. That's my point. Yeah. That, that that's that's absolutely true. But it's something that they should be doing, right? Before it was like, okay, underachieved, like why isn't this happening? This is weird. And then they did something that they probably should have done already. So oh, is yes. that does that matter? I think so. A little, yeah, it does. It does. It, like I said, does it? It doesn't change how we feel about, you know, the the bulk of U.S. men's marathoning. But like, they went from like, hey, what's the deal with them not being able to do this? Okay. To like, okay, we did it. Fair. Box is checked. But I'm saying, the bus has left the station on sub two ten is what I'm saying. And if you look at, let's just go back to 2012. Let's just go back to 2012 because I remember those results that year. Hall, Meb, and Abdi made the team, and then Ritz was in fourth. So we could say – let's just say those were the top four guys, right? Yeah. Do you think these – the group now is stronger than that group? No. Right. And that's my that's my point. I think My the... point is if Ritz, if Ritz was in his prime right now, if Meb was in his prime right now, if Abdi Abdi might be in his prime right now, so we'll exclude him for a little bit. But if Ritz and and Meb and Ryan Hall were in their prime right now, they'd be churning out better times. That's all. Yes, I'm saying. I, I I think what happened here. I think the five through ten is better. 
which how much does that matter? I don't know. But it's I think it's deeper. I think you have more, you know, more guys who who can do it. I think that was I mean, naming those guys, that's kind of like the as crazy as it is. That's like the the gold standard for American men's marathoning. Like all oh, right. Okay. Yeah, that that may be and and in 10 years they haven't gotten that close to it is what I'm saying. Right? Yeah, I mean you have Rupp who's, you know, who who's what Hall was 10 years before. Yeah. Um and that's that's your only guy who's who's on an elite level. I guess, you know, the idea is hey, some of these guys on their first or second marathon if you can run 209 even in perfect conditions, then you have you might have the potential to be a 206 207 guy, which yeah. would be the equivalent of what Ritz was back then. Yeah, I just I just look at this again like I was saying on the episode that Chief's talking about. I think what would have moved the needle more would have been a ward or a fobble getting a, a, a significant PR or somebody new dropping into not just 209 range, right, but you know, low 208, 207 range. That's what have would have said, okay, they're closing on Rupp. I and by by extension, they're closing on the rest of the world, or they're, they're they they have potential to close on the rest of the world and make headway. That's what I was looking. Yeah, I think that's the next that's the next step you want to see. I mean, it would be great if it happened first, but like I think this is the first step in many that the U.S. would need is all right. Hey, let's can we can we get just a, a decent amount of guys because then you have a bigger pool who could potentially run two hundred seven. Right, but my point is by. The, Will will it like so when I, when I'm looking at your predictions right from years past, mm-hmm. it it was only a couple of years ago when okay if they get into that 209 range, right, that's gonna be that's that's an impactful that's gonna be a meaningful shift, and I I just think things have changed things have improved so much in the, in that in the interim that it's that that's not gonna get you what it used to get you so now. The bar keeps getting raised more and more, so now they're going to need something else. You know, I don't even—I don't know if it's okay. There's a—it's going to be 208, right? Who's going to be the next guy to run 207? Is that it? I don't know. I don't—I don't know what what the the perfect number is. I think when we get to the Olympics, obviously, I think Rupp's going to be a metal threat, right? Yeah. But and then Riley and, and Abdi, maybe they have top ten potential there as well too, but. I'm not I don't think I don't think that the next um as I said last week I think the next person is going to come from somebody who is running running high level 10,000s before they got to the marathon. Like Meb, like Ritz, like Hall, like Rupp. That's where I think the next person is going to come through on the, on the men's side of things. Women have it figured out. I don't know. They <laughs> they're solid. Yeah, the women have been ahead of the curve in the distance running versus the world. They've been ahead of the men in the U.S. for a long time. Like it's yeah, and then look it, at it, yeah, right. So then look at and look at who's who's doing like blowing it out of the water for them. I mean, L- Lyndon Lyndon is the exception, right? Lyndon wasn't the the superstar, but Flanagan was, Kara Goucher was, uh, Jordan Hesse, obviously a huge talent. Big names. Well, like Sarah Hall, though. I mean, yeah, it wasn't. Well, Sarah Hall was really good in college. You know, she didn't find her event in, but but she was she was a study. Yeah, she college. spent 
over 10 years as a middling pro. Right, right. And then she got, yeah, and she got back to it. But I'm saying that the talent was always there. It wasn't this like, hey, this 28-year-old or 32-year-old like plugging away and they broke 210. That's an awesome story. But I think those are the, those aren't, that's not evidence of like the event being lifted up and moved. That's more, I think, a more of an isolated incident. That's just how I'm viewing it. Right, because we've seen enough of those throughout the years to know that they happen, but they're not indicative of a larger trend. All that being said, I still think you have Kenya, you have Ethiopia, you obviously have Japan, but I mean the U.S. is not terrible at marathoning; they're just not in the top couples nations right now on the men's. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, and they'll never be Ethiopia. They're not as good as the women. They're not as good as the women, and I don't know when they are going to be as good as the women in terms of depth. Yeah, that may that may be twenty years before they're as good as the women. It's just the yeah, it's okay. going to take a you know it, it it takes a couple you know it could take a couple guys to turn you know the whole thing around. But I think it's a good good step. Like I said, it didn't drastically change anything, but I think it's the first step in several that they need to you know be considered. You know, if, if their goal if if the goal is hey, let's be the third best country for marathoning, like you know, yeah, it should be Project Bronze. That's possible. That's what I mean, they should but call yeah, it, Project Bronze. Yes, like, exactly. How do we Because, I mean, no one no one in a million – like, I mean, it's just never going to happen. We're not going to be better than Kenya and Ethiopia. It's, of course. The gap there is as big as it could possibly be. You probably would have said the same thing about Jamaica and the sprints, Jason. But somehow <laughs> this tiny country of the United States was able to overcome. I think with the Marathon Project, a lot of it for me was just expectation going in. Oh, this is the perfect opportunity. This is, this is when it's going to happen. And when it didn't, didn't materialize that way for some of the key guys. Yeah. I mean, the, that's the, my fault. That's my fault. The, the better, you know, the, the actual top level guys that you were hoping were going to break through that didn't seem to happen, you know, Jared Ward, everything, but the, that second tier of guys actually did exactly what you would hope for them to do in that race. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. My thing is I'm just, I'm more skeptical because they're, they're second tier of, okay, they just had the race of their life. Like, what are they going to do now? Is it is it going to be the are they going to follow it up with the two eight two oh seven or was that just going to be the best the best that they've ever done? Which true to say, true to say. So chief can call back and tell me I'm an idiot later. I look forward to it. <laughs> All right, we got one more from him. And Last then, one. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. What up, boys? Chief from Illinois, now in Indianapolis. Drink your milk, Braylon. Uh, calling in because uh, Sully, you said something about Nike could get a pair of vapor flies in LeBron size if you requested. I have a funny story about LeBron. One of my friends that I used to train with in Chicago interned at Nike and um he said that over the summer they had a kickball game going and LeBron just happened to be on campus and wanted to play. And he said I just don't have any shoes um cuz he was wearing like a pair of like just loafers. And so one of the interns went and had a uh, pair of LeBron's 3D printed on the sole of a soccer cleat so he wouldn't slip when he was playing soccer or when he was playing kickball at the Nike headquarters. So needless to say, uh, a couple hours later, he had a pair of custom kickball LeBron shoes um, on his on his feet, that being LeBron James had a pair of custom kickball shoes on his own feet. So I'm sure they could find a pair of vapor flies. Uh, with that, peace, boys. 
<laughs> I mean, that's pretty cool. That's, uh, you know, that's, I don't necessarily, you know, need the uh, international fame and all that stuff, but if I could just, for any random activity, have them uh, create a special pair of shoes just for me, then yeah, I'm, uh, let's do that. I thought that was going to end with, and then he played and tore his ACL. And the yeah, no, that's how that's how it again. happens in track. If if a star track player <laughs> uh, does that, then yes, of course. <laughs> oh, man. All right, we'll leave it there. HowStoRunAtGmail.com. Write in with your bold predictions for 2021. We'll keep tabs on all the results. Indoor, maybe, going to get going here. Some road races for sure, but plenty of time to just speculate about meets down the road. Uh, any last words, Jason? No, I don't think so. Just uh, good to good start off a new year. I'm uh, looking forward to it. It's going to be a good one, guys. This, this, this is the, the bounce back year. This is it. This is it. I like your confidence. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. Chaska Ennis. Wade Van Niekirk, comeback year. Starts now. <laughs>